what the hell are we doing right now? Rolling an uh, at 20. That's what the hell I'm doing. Seriously? So. Yep. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I got an 18. Three. All right. David. Again. <laughs> Again. Okay. All right. Um... Yeah, I just do the introduction, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, let me ask you a few questions, and and you can take the lead. What what is this podcast called? Who are you? And what are we talking about? Right. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, tonight you have the pleasure of listening to the birds and the bees. I'm sorry, the bards and the bees. <laughs> Ironically, I play the bard in the group. <laughs> we're, 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 it's all down here, hill from here, people. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're so good at this, guys. We're going to take the world by storm. Tonight, we have the opportunity to entertain your ear follicles. You? A fascinating subject of death in D&D, specifically 5th edition. Death, um, the relevance of hit points, potential of adding injuries into your games, and bringing it all, bringing it all succinctly into focus as everybody thinks combat takes way longer than it actually does. Yeah. What's your name? Stranger. Oh, whispered one is David, the creator. Gross. Oh. Sexy <laughs> voice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am Mason. Um, as Dave said, we're, we're if we do more of this, we'll call it kind of a series. Um, how how mechanics drive the games we play. Yeah, we're gonna talk about um, not like super numbery, but just ways to impact the way things go. Hey, I'm Trevor. I play D and D and stuff. He's our Lord and Savior. We we have this this topic is something that we've talked about a lot outside of podcasting, outside of our normal game, and we all have problems with how like injury and death and hit points work in a lot of games. So we're just gonna kind of rant a little bit probably about what we think is the issue what are some possible solutions um and what we kind of talked about before recording is is maybe starting at the bottom like the base D D fifth edition rules and then kind of stepping up in grittiness um and just options ways yeah. to make things interesting and talking talking about the different options what are the pros and cons our experience with those um so, David, what do you think of the base D&D rules on death and hit points? But before we jump to that, can I steal, oh, sorry. A, can I steal it for just a sec? Sorry. Um, no, I have I'm, a surprise for you, too. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, you're good. I have a surprise for you, too. Um, I just want to... When it comes to all that stuff, I actually don't care. However it shakes out, okay. it's fun for everybody else, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've, I've gone through this journey a lot, like, as, as the systems guy, as an aspiring game designer, as an yeah. aspiring storyteller, right? Trying to develop in, in that world. And, and, and 
for me personally, where I have ended up at is it all effectively is the same. It, it, it all achieves the task of there's a consequence when hit points hit zero. It's kind of like when you have, so, so what you're saying is it's kind of like when you have a video game where the base modifier is one versus where the base modifier is a hundred. Exactly. So like when, the, the, by the, by the end of a final fantasy game, you're doing 12 million damage. Whereas where if you're playing darkest dungeon, you're doing 40 and it feels just as impactful. Yeah. Right. Like it, it, it has some impact. Yes. I'm happy at any level personally. Um, and there, there's merit for any of the levels. And, and that's the aspect I'm going to try and take here is showing where these might be helpful and how they're going to impact your game. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the, the, the cost of them. Because all of them do have a cost. You know, The more stuff you throw in, the more complexity, okay. the more work you have to yes. do for your game. Um, and so that's something I just want the viewers to be aware of right away. We are not saying there's a right way or a wrong way. You're going to have your opinions. That's great. Everybody else has them too. Let them have them. And maybe try and learn something from them. Because uh, that's that's what I've reached after my ten years of this journey. And I'll just follow that statement up with a point of clarity. Uh, you do what your table finds enjoyable, all right? Yes. Don't don't let anybody tell you otherwise. If you and your friends are enjoying it, <clears throat> that's the right way to do it. Um, going on to what uh, Trevor's inch segue there. Um, yeah. What do you what do you think about? Like base rules, fifth edition, death saving throws, and like hit points and healing. How does that, how does that kind of hit you? Should we do a quick description of what that is for those that don't play fifth edition? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll I'll, I'll try and cover it real quick. Chime in if I miss anything. But yeah, basically, uh, with the focus of fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons here. You have a pool of hit points. Once you hit zero, you're stable, but uh, unconscious-ish. Mm-hmm. And um, the enemies around you have an opportunity to continue to stab your, your body until you uh, die. How that happens is you get three death saves, and if you fail three death, death saves... Um, just period it's not consecutive or anything mm-hmm. you fail three death saves you suffer the ultimate death you, you die and yeah you your character dies you're no longer just knocked out on the floor or like so tired you can't fight anymore you're gone yes. and that is you lose a death save if you take damage you lose a death save if it comes to your turn and you roll below 10 um, are there other ways to lose a death save? There's one caveat there. If you're hit while unconscious, uh, it's an auto crit. So yeah. you automatically you lose two death saves if you are struck by an enemy. Oh, yeah, that is true, yeah. So it gets a bit tenuous uh, pretty quick. But my impression on death and uh, dismemberment... I guess in in fifth edition D and D is that they've uh, is that they've gutted the potential just raw po- storytelling power of death, injury, and dismemberment, um, and, and the re- the uh, impact of all of those things mm-hmm. in your game because there's just 
revivals, resurrection, bringing back from beyond the brink of death is just too easy in 5th edition, in my opinion. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not talked about, but uh, scars and deformities from your horrendous combat scenarios that every adventure goes through uh, is barely even spoken about in the official... In the core rules. In the core rules. And to me... Um, to me, I'm like, you know, a scar, scars on a warrior or barbarian or really anybody are a ripe opportunity for story, for an, an injection of story, of character building. Um, losing a limb forces the, the player to think outside of their comfort zone. Uh, you know, dying forces the your surrounding party members to make a really tough decision it's like is this guy worth bringing back was i comfortable with what this person did in their life um am i willing to 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 put my my immortal soul and physical body on the line to bring this guy back from Mm -hmm. beyond death's door that's my viewpoint of it uh i think I think the safety nets that 5e has implemented has has really uh, robbed everyone of storytelling opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, well, <clears throat> since since we've kind of hit the two different viewpoints, I guess I'll just go ahead and share mine at the top um, so that we know where everybody's coming from. I think <clears throat> from like a, a D&D 5e perspective that there are times that I'm very... Almost like frustrated with the with the death mechanics, and sometimes feel like it's not punchy enough. Not necessarily that there should always be like punishment for the players, but that there there should be some gravity, some extra gravity. Um, I feel like in fifth edition combat, there's a lot of players going to zero hit points and then get healed to seven hit points just so that they're not unconscious. But they're still up and technically not dying, mm-hmm. you know. And then they might get knocked down the next round, but somebody can just heal them up and it's fine. Um, to to me, it feels like it should be a little bit punchier than that. Um, but so probably Mason is like the most go with the flow, whatever the party wants. I'm probably in the middle ground of like. Let's make it a little grittier. And David is prob seems like he's more on the like. <laughs> let's chop some people's arms off. They deserve yeah, it. <laughs> the the other thing I'll say is also it, it depends on the story you want to tell and, mm-hmm. and how how Absolutely. dedicated you are to thinking about those ramifications. Because for me, I know most parties, even if we were to be like, oh, injuries would be cool. You know, people would get scars, they'd get battle wounds and stuff, but that that would never end up coming up later. And so if that's yeah. not going to come up later, you know, it's not quite worth the effort. If they're going to bring it up later, that, that is an, a very rich storytelling area. Mm-hmm. It, it's just the, the types of stories we tell with tabletop gaming, right? They are so character-focused as opposed to, as opposed to plot-focused. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about the experience of the characters. For, for example, in, in it, if I was DMing for a barbarian-type character that like to brag about their scars 
whether anybody else in the party had to roll for injuries, I would make that character roll for injuries. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then... And then if they took an injury, like I would just make a table about where the where they get injured and that's where the scar is. And then I would ask that character, please write down every scar you receive. Yeah. yeah. And then by the end of the campaign, they're just going to be <laughs> one giant blob of scar tissue with two <laughs> legs and two arms and a head and neck. Yeah, you take the, negative one but it'll be funny to listen to them brag about each individual scar in a bar when they're like, "You see this one," and then the maiden at the bar is like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> "What? You're so gross." <laughs> yeah, the, the the point I'm making though is that the, the way the way we tell stories in tabletop gaming is different than the way we we experience them in like other media. Yeah, because yeah. we we are experiencing it in real time with the characters, um, and, and our lens of perception is going to you know impact the way the story takes place where a, a character death or character injury in another story can, can be can be planned for can happen at an appropriate time every single time sometimes someone just dies to a random goblin in a, a, an encounter that had zero weight and that death mm-hmm. just feels hollow to me personally, like it, if I want there to be a character death, I want it to be at a very key moment, uh-huh. which you know you can do by making the fights powerful and stuff. But you know, the, the sometimes it just doesn't hit the way it should, you know, and and well, that, that kind of sucks. There's a beauty in that kind of death, in in my mind. I mean, for, in, from a pure narrative perspective, sure. From a tabletop gaming yeah. perspective, the, yeah. the investment the person actually has in taking the character to that point, it doesn't feel rewarded as a result. Right. That's, that's that's very true. I'll concede that. Yeah. And that that's been my experience. I'm. <clears throat> it it's gonna vary, but that that's that's why I've hit the point I've hit. Um. As as a result, is that it just it doesn't quite respect, unless it's planned out. And you know, we could even talk about planning character deaths. If someone's like, this is a spot that would be appropriate maybe for my character to die. That's an area we could hit later. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I actually really want to die in our current campaign that's not suicidal or anything but i know that there's a whole other side of lore that none of us have ever touched in the realm of death because we've all managed to you know evade death by the skin of our teeth so <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm like i i'm a lord as a as a dm like i i run for these two other guys as you guys know and I have, I have tried to kill them. I really have. I haven't made it super easy. Uh, there's been times where I'm like, they should make it through this, or they, you know, this should be a challenge. And every time I'm like, I don't know how they're gonna win this. They have. So I guess I have to keep turning up the pressure to get David what he really wants. <laughs> I've, I've had the same. Um, in, in the one I'm running right now, especially where it is like an older, it is second edition D&D, it is mm-hmm. fairly lethal. Obviously, I'm trying from someone who's played later editions, and it isn't going to be like brutally unfair. Like, yeah. I want to kill you in a fair way that's interesting, yeah, and like, the, the fight was, you know, it's like, oh, you, you fell into my trap, hee hee. Because, again, that's that unsatisfying death from yeah. a narrative perspective and a player experience perspective, well, I think. And from a, um, from a DMing expect, 
perspective specifically because let me remind everyone dms are players too yeah if if the dm doesn't enjoy a character death i mean okay that sounds terrible um but no i I see what you're saying like (laughs) like if if the way someone dies isn't fun for me and i'm the one that created that situation yeah yeah exactly (laughs) it's not great a perfect example um i found sorry for the brief tangent uh, no, go for I, it. I'll, I'll bring it back around. I, I I got a slight plan for once. Trust me. I trust you. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I found this old item. I think it's basically a precursor to the deck of many things mm-hmm. um, that you know and love. It's called the Wheel of Fortune. I told you guys this story. But um, you roll a d20. If it's below 10, something truly awful happens. If it's above 10, something like, okay, happens. <laughs> like, literally, it's it's so <laughs> just like a, a trap toy. Yeah, uh, so, so it's like, players. if you if you roll below 10, somebody loses a limb. If you roll above 10, like, you get 5 gold. Like, you, you get <laughs> a, a few XP, like, 19 is, like, a pretty good item. 20 is a, a free level, right? Ooh. But, like, a 5 is all of your magic items disintegrate. Oh. That, that's oh. a 5, right? Oh, that, yeah, like, that's brutal. 4, that 3, is... and 2 all are permanent stat decreases by, like, a hefty amount. And, and 1 is, of course, you die. Mm-hmm. And I throw this at my players. I'm like, this will be kind of a fun thing. I, I forgot two big things. Number one, in the rules text for the Wheel of Fortune, you can roll it once a day. I did not impose that limitation, which I regret. I don't actually regret. <laughs> it was a very good time, but I, I see there there is wisdom in imposing that limitation because you know the players are never going to leave that thing be. Oh, no. <laughs> you know they're yeah, going to roll until they're, they're all dead. They're, they're going to roll above ten four times in a row, and they're going to think they're god. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, like, ultimately, someone gets a one, and it's just like, you die. And it's like, that's a very hollow death. Because it's, it's, it's completely arbitrary, right? No, no choice was actually made outside of, I'm going to take this risk. And, you know, there, I, I, I displayed it where it's like, you know, there's 20 things, they have these different symbols, there's one that's a skull, and they're like, oh, we probably die if we get that one. No, probably. But it, still, since they have no influence on it, right? It yeah. specifically says there's no way you could possibly magically or physically influence the Wheel of Fortune, which is fair. But then it means that the death has very little meaning. Mm-hmm. And, and then equally so, saving the character then has no meaning. Me saying, well, I feel like a dick for killing your character with this thing that's kind of supposed to be a fun meme time. Your character's back also loses a bit of meaning. Yeah. You know? And See, that's when you start killing the player's family members. <laughs> you didn't die, but everyone you'd love an old dear dad. Um, so, but so we, my, the way I'm we, coming back is bef- bef- we, we've talked about what our beliefs are in the mm-hmm. 5th edition death system. Let's talk about what the pros and cons are. Yeah. What, what things we see that have value and things that we see that have negative consequence as, as a way to t- direct the conversation, if, if, unless anyone has any other points. Uh, Trevor, you, you take this Well, I, I was going to say first maybe we could talk about uh the hp mechanics and like how we interpret hit points okay yeah that's fair uh and then we can talk about uh the pros and pros cons. and cons about the we, whole whole tier the whole of system high fantasy because there's lots of ways to interpret hit points and i think that can do a lot to like sink you into into or out of like realism quote unquote with your game um, cause if you're, if you're a goddamn superhero and that's kind of how you're playing fifth edition, then you just take hit points as they are. Every time you get, you lose hit points, you take physical damage. 
So if you lose 10 hit points, you get cut across the shoulder. If you lose 25 hit points, you get stabbed in the chest, you know, but are able to deflect the blade before it does, you know, vital damage. Um, but there's other ways to think about it. Um, there's, there's other ways to kind of interpret that. Uh, and, and I've thought of them as like hero points at times. I've heard this description as like, it's not hit points, it's hero points. It's like, these are the amount of times you can save yourselves from brutal damage before you go down. So like this monster that has, that's a giant snake bites at you and it goes to engulf you but you manage to like lodge your two arms your bracers on both of your arms to keep its mouth open to keep it from biting down on you but that wears you out and you get tired so you lose 20 hit points Mm -hmm. you know that feels different than the snake creature literally latches down onto your chest cavity and pierces you with hundreds of needle sharp teeth and then let's go, and you only lose 20 hit points. <laughs> Ouch. That, that hurt. So, so what are your guys' thoughts about uh, hit points? I, my thoughts on hit points, short and sweet, it's, hit points are just your character's endurance. Um, the characters you play in a D&D game are, more often than not, uh, the pinnacle of mortal races and beyond. Um, I think to put, to put this into perspective, you will probably never meet anybody in real life with a 20 in any stat. Um, that's how improbable D&D characters are. <laughs> I, I agree with that, actually. Um, uh, it, I'll keep it, yeah, again, short and sweet, but basically, um kind of going hand in hand with the hero points it's your characters i guess overall stamina or ability to take what would have been mortal wounds on any kind of normal plebeian uh and then just keep keep hammering against the enemy um it's almost like it's almost like these people can take take literally mortal wounds and and keep fighting short of short of beheading or something like that it's um simultaneously awe-inspiring and horror inducing to watch these people fight okay uh for me this is actually why i brought up like kind of my my viewpoint on this whole topic early on it's because i hit points are a number and that's it. Like, they, they are there to measure when your character dies. I don't flavor it in any way whatsoever, because doing so doesn't accomplish anything useful for me. Basically, when I go to flavor, you know, I'm describing combat. If something makes sense to describe it as, I'm going to do that, that. That makes it fun and more enjoyable. If, if we're doing, you know, we, we want to kind of have fun describing these horrible wounds they're shaking off, we're going to do that. If we're like, you know, you, you, you swat it away because you, you're, you're so much better than this goblin, we're going to do it that way. And that's whatever I want it to be kind of thing. And, and so I don't think of it as any, it represents anything. I said, if we need a way to measure this so then we can play a game. Mm-hmm. What? So, so you tend to be more flexible with it and like match I, the group I you're playing with. I, I, I just describe the events of a... The re, I resolve an action 
regardless of what the hit, hit points represent. I don't yeah. make hit points represent anything in world. I don't care. I need a way to track when you die. That's all they are to me. I okay. don't say they're endurance. I don't say they're you well, your actual meat flesh. They just are a thing I need to interface between real world and fantasy world. And that's all okay, I make. Okay, so question for you, Mason, then. Um, hmm? You being a DM, how do you rectify uh, the, the uh, I guess, in, in-game combat descriptions that you give your players of, oh, you know, the, the Ultraloth, you know, brutally slashes into the barbarian's chest with his warble blades versus their hit points at, at, at that point. Do you, do you the thing is, those two? I usually just, like, I, I keep my descriptions in combat to a bare minimum outside of key awesome moments. Because oh, okay. that makes combat go faster, so we can do things that are more interesting. Or at least do the interesting parts of combat. If a goblin stabs you for two damage, then like this goblin stabs you for two damage, and, and that is the description because that's the information they need. And if I if it's if I make it humorous, I make it humorous. I, I it, it literally is based on my whim, effectively, it's which sounds like moment. bad jamming, but like no, reading no. the room. If we need a description, we give a description. If we don't, we don't. Like last one, I jammed not last night, but for my regular campaign, um, we have a dwarf fighter who's like stat perfection in AD&D and d too he it's insane like having stat perfection there as a fighter you, you get a plus six to your like a plus three to your attack but a plus six to your damage in Oof. in low hit point AD and d too he, he can easily oh, put dish it. out like 30 damage around he's disgusting and, and so i made the city guards i designed their squads and they fought them for the first time and one of the guys whole job is literally just i grapple people and everybody else just whacks them as we're going <laughs> And, and so, so I'm, like I'm describing <laughs> this this gargantuan feat of him and and Peepums the dwarf like in this massive interlocked grapple fest because that's the, the the peak of the fight. Everything else is like yeah you magic missile this guy you hit him he takes the damage we move on because because that's okay okay we're, we're moving you know this is so what you is just happening pepper descriptions throughout yeah just combat and it's not yeah whenever it feels appropriate I describe okay. it and and I just do it in a way that makes it fun. Because that—that's the goal, right? Is to keep combat exciting. Yeah, because the reason we're we're bringing up like hit points is, in a lot of different ways, like hit points are kind of thought as either this like arbitrary thing, or sometimes the amount of damage you take feels vastly different from the type of damage your DM describes. Yeah. Um, Because because I've had that, or I've listened to that in podcasts where they're like. You take 17 damage and you get stabbed through the chest with a spear? <laughs> He's fine. <laughs> You're a god. Like I said, yeah. simultaneously horrifying and awe-inspiring. Yeah. And, but that can be fun, so if that's fun, yes. I'll do it. You know? <laughs> and, and so it, the, the hit points have less meaning to me than the action in combat, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So, uh, going back to, like, pros and cons of, like, the basic 5e mechanics, what, what do you think some of the pros are? Uh, Mason, you can take this. Yeah. When we're talking hit points and death, hit points, the pros, it is dirt simple. Everyone understands. You hit zero, you start rolling death saves. You hit death saves, you die. Plain and simple. You, you, you take damage, you mm -hmm. go away. Um, so it's very, very just, you, you go, you do the thing and it works. 
Um, mm-hmm. It is very player friendly, which as a result is very, very narrative friendly. Your, your narrative is robust. You're not going to just suddenly in the middle of a session unexpectedly have someone die. You can know that people are likely to die on a boss fight, you know, in places where they narratively should die. Yeah. Right? If a death happens, you can ensure it happens at a place that makes sense. Um, and that, that's, that's very GM friendly. And, and it makes sure that if a death happens, it feels good. I, um, I, I think a pro is with death saves in particular. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, if you take damage, you lose a death save. You know, if you're in yeah. the burst of a fireball spell, you take a death save. But other than that, if the enemies ignore you, you get to keep doing something on your turn. Yes. So you're as a as a player, you still get to do something. And for m- the majority of people, it's better to be included than to be like, you dropped a zero hit points, sit, sit down and shut up. Yes. Um, one <laughs> last point thought. on that when it comes to the healing. And it's like, you know, you heal someone, they're back up. Bare minimum, that, that, that does have a cost on the party, right? Someone lost a turn and yeah. they spent a spell. Um, and that spell or turn could have spent doing something else. And the person who is up is still vulnerable. So you, the team does have to make in-game actions to keep them up or they're losing more turns. And so there's sort of an unstated death spiral of someone going down in a combat unless yeah. you end it quickly. Um, yeah. So I, I think that it's it's lightweight. It creates incentive, incentives for behaving appropriately when someone gets grievously injured. You go take care of them. Or, you know, it creates character fights moments also because you can... I want to just end the fight because I'm going to trust this person to survive. That kind of stuff. Um, so it, yeah. in a very loose, non-committal way, creates a lot of reinforcing behaviors that yeah. other more intensive systems can also do, but in a more implicit way as opposed to an explicit way. So, Those are the pr- pros for me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to come up and say I absolutely loathe how 5e death system completely disconnects death from your character's prowess it 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 randomizes death which infuriates me to no end because Mm -hmm. because there's no constitution modifier it's just a straight d20 roll it's it's pure chance and i'm sitting here like so i've i've spent potentially years on this character and this character's death is left up to if i get above a 10 or below a 10 on a d20 roll (laughs) and yeah it's great i sure i like okay I don't know. Personally, as a player, rolling a d20 on my turn to see if I'm one step closer to death is like uh, walking towards the guillotine. You know, it, it kind of sucks. <laughs> <In my opinion>. <laughs> <laughs> and I would personally rather sit there and rely and trust that my companions that I've built up over the course of this entire... The relationships I've built up over the course of the entire campaign will have my back or you know maybe i've just been such a colossal asshole that they'll leave me to die and i can use that time to re-roll a character <laughs> you know, it's, a, <laughs> it's like one way or another i'm doing something productive <clears throat> the it's interesting that your 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 take on the the death saving throw itself being purely arbitrary 
Um, I see there's sort of an equalizer where death doesn't care. Um, this one of the areas where you will have like a, a flavorful perspective. Because um, also your, your your skill and prowess are represented in, you know, hit points, AC, other combat abilities that led you to either die or not die. But once you're <laughs> on death's door, death either takes you or doesn't. Which is more more whimsical than my other takes on this okay. stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I definitely get your perspective as well. Because, like, having fight. been a player, sitting and waiting on that, it does feel just like I, I have no choices. Which, from a gameplay standpoint, is bad. From a narrative oh. standpoint, I do like the... You, I mean, you have to rely on your people and rely a little bit on luck because up till here you had you had choices and the ones you made led you to be at zero yeah it's gambling and i yep. personally hate gambling i hate it no that's that's <laughs> so very fair it's very very fair I, i'm like give me some kind of bonus give me some kind of way to to i guess interact with my own death uh i guess because you know in my mind you got these, again, you got these epic characters. Mm-hmm. We're talking like Gilgamesh level characters. Okay, so 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 you're dying. How do you feel about you get three choices on your turn while you're dying? You can try to make another attack, but you will lose a death saving throw. You can try <laughs> to staunch the bleeding, but there is a very low chance. Or you can just roll a death saving throw. You know, I think, I think any of those options, and plus some according to the DM's whims, depending on the situation. Uh, you know, there might be a hot brand nearby that you can suture a wound with, or something with a medicine check, um, depending if you're conscious or not. But really, any choice would be amazing. Like. Mm-hmm. Here's one from a, a more table perspective. Um, let's say that it still gives a player a choice, and and I think solves my only issue I ever have with the save, where I said like you just die at a weird time and it doesn't feel impactful to the story. A hard where, <laughs> yeah, right. Like oh no, I have a character now, and the story doesn't feel quite the same as it did because we have a new party member, you know, and we have to do all this adjustment stuff. Um, let's say you you're at your you have two failed saves. And it comes to your turn. Uh, a way, it, the way I have done it in the past with fifth edition, it's been a very long time, um, and I never, I, I never actually got to do it because no one hit zero and, and, and failed this many times. But basically, your death saving throws, when you have that third one, or really any of them, are private. And when you hit your your last one, I, as the GM, I'm going to go and be like, hey. I'm going to ask you if you made your saving throw. I don't care what you say as long as you feel it's appropriate and it's what you want to have happen. Because then you as a player have the ultimate choice of, should my character die here? <laughs> right? Because like, when you succeed on your saving throws, you, you're stabilized. You're not dying. You still don't have actions yeah. in the combat. It doesn't impact the combat. right? It doesn't make the party win. It just chooses whether or not the character dies. Mm-hmm. Which, that's the question we're trying to answer right and that's really cool if it doesn't feel right then they shouldn't die (laughs) you know and if if they want like a consequence we can give them a consequence we can talk more about those in a bit but you know then it ensures that no death feels just like and 
through a random crit at level two from a goblin, I got one shot and died. You know, yeah. Or 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 even like at uh, an important, a semi-important part, we're doing we're midway through like a dungeon delve at level ten, and something weird happens, and it just doesn't feel like the right time. Or me as a player, I I just don't want to have to make a new character because I love this character. And no character death is going to feel important enough to leave this character behind for me. That's that's something that is important to consider for the player. Oh, that's that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Right. Losing a loved character. Exactly. That's ultimately why I hit the point of like I don't care. They're just a tool. Yeah. So so hit points and death are a tool to you. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're a tool. They're, they're a thing I need to have to make the game feel important. They they okay. add stakes to combat. So 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 however it does it, it works. So stepping okay. stepping up from there, then we've talked about yeah. kind of the base rules. What? So you have this player who loves this character, mm-hmm. who technically should die right now. So what? What can we add on top of that to say, okay, you don't die, but this happens uh, instead. For that character, since that character is clearly very important to them, I would say the way to do it is we have a, a consequence that's fairly long-term. Not like super, super long-term rest of the campaign, but like it's going to impact and define the next session or two, mm-hmm. right? That way it feels appropriate. They get to have their moment and they get to live through this character having this thing. And, and that could be, you know, they have just a penalty. Um, the way I'm doing it right now in my campaign with AD&D 2E, where I don't really want characters to die. I will say that. It's, again, the way I see the narrative, right? It's very character-driven. And so losing those characters is a huge loss to the narrative for me and for my players. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing you gain hit points each long rest equal to your level. So right now they're getting eight hit points back each rest. Mm-hmm. And so even just hitting zero and somehow not dying... Is it's a huge setback, yeah. That's a huge setback, because either they basically can't go on dungeon crawls, the entire party, right? Say this yeah. dwarf fighter, who's this beast, gets brought low. <clears throat> the next three days, they can't dungeon crawl, no matter how much they really need to. There's going to be a plot consequence now, because I'm going to be sure there's a dungeon crawl they want to go on. <laughs> right? And even if they, the cleric uses all of his spells the next day because he had some prepped for non-combat stuff, he uses all of his spell slots on healing. That's great. He, that's a resource they spent. He can't use that for anything else he's doing in town. He can't use that for anything else in the dungeon crawl. If he gets hurt later, he can't heal him in the middle of the fight, right? If somebody else gets hurt, he can't heal him. And that's so in 5th edition, the way I do that is like, okay, next long rest, you get a short rest. That's easy. That's a thing that already exists. I can reuse it. They're missing out on spells, hit points. They're using, you know, they're using hit die or he- other forms of healing to get their health back. It's a real cost. It lasts till the next long rest after that, and then it's done. And I don't have to worry about, you know, mm-hmm. they have a limp, so they have twenty-five move speed or something for forever. That doesn't feel as punchy as well. The next day is still spooky for this guy. No, robbing, uh, targeting core class features is is awesome because it simultaneously scares the players but it also uh it's makes players hesitant but it reduces the load on the dm Mm -hmm. exactly it's also recoverable and it also does not 
hugely impact action economy during combat, which is just a beautiful solution to... Yeah, it's it's simple. They, they feel it, and then it's done. You know? I mean, I, I would also throw in, um, like, modifying long rest, using the modified the long rest variant, where it takes, like, a week to long rest or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. that a short rest cool. is a day, a long rest is a yeah. week. That's, that's one I will actually... I, I'm actually picky about. I don't care how you handle death and hit points and crap, but I will fight you if you're going to use that and not have a reason. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're going to make people take a week to rest, that damn well better cost them something. Otherwise, it's just the same as a long rest. You just oh, said, absolutely. a week passes by. No, if you're not going to make that time matter... If, it, yeah, it, if, my, in my opinion, if you're going to do that, you need to do the Mass Effect slash uh, Dragon Age thing where they go back to home base... And they're resting, and that is where they get to run into all the NPCs they care about. That's where they get to go shopping. Yeah. You know, and you can hand wave that. You can make that only take 30 minutes and then jump to the next thing. Right? But when you get to the next thing, that week needs to have an impact. Yes. Or else then the long rest is still just effectively a night. For example, if the dungeon they made a foray into but didn't complete... Uh, they had to go out and take a long rest. Well, that dungeon's yes. now repopulated with possibly new creatures. You know, uh, mm-hmm. they've adapted to your t- your party's tactics, that type of thing. Um, yes. Yeah. No, well, ultimately, a, that's a cool system. To 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 GMs, what I'm what what I'm saying here is, if you're going to change the way recovering resources works in time in terms of scale of time. Mm-hmm. You need to make that decision at the beginning of a campaign arc. So then you can design the rest of it around that change and make that change meaningful. Yeah. Or else, guess what? You didn't actually make a change. You yeah. just changed the word you described it. And that's why I don't care about hit points. Right? Because it's like you're just changing the word you used to describe it. The hit points are still a number that when it hits zero, you die. Or a bad thing happens. Um, but that one it, like will get my goat every time. I'm like, you, you better make that change mean something or else you're just... You're just jerking off to the wind right there, friend. It doesn't do a dang thing. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I will fight about that. Ooh, that gets me so, so fired up. Mm-hmm. I just want to bring up... Um, I, I completely agree with Mason on this one. Uh, you do need to make time matter. Uh, time... In, in world time, it is very important for the DM to keep track of it, in my opinion. <clears throat> but... Um, I had a thought here. Well, skip me. So, well, well, something, something I was thinking of. You guys brought up uh, the the world time, the healing, um, and recoverability. Uh, something we haven't talked about with like Baith's fifth edition rules is resurrection. Yes, we should. Hit that. Um, and you know, base. 5e rules once you hit fourth fifth sixth level like resurrecting somebody is within your grasp um and how does how does that feel and are there ways to do it for me um in my game world as you guys know you guys have only experienced this once if you resurrect somebody their soul is owned by somebody 
and you have to fight to get it back. Um, soul energy is what makes the world go round in my campaign setting. So when somebody dies, some entity has a claim to their soul. So if you are going to resurrect them, you're going to have to fight to get the soul back. Which is awesome. But that is not standard, right? The standard is you cast a spell and you spend X amount of resources and the person comes back. Uh, so my, my take on that is a, I, I hate that, man, I'm really negative tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, we, we established at the outset <laughs> that you are going to be the one who wants to kill everybody and maim them. So you're good. Right. Um, I, I just can't wrap my mind around why diamonds are so special. Uh, personally, where I'd run a campaign, I would make it, um, uh, kind of, I, I would implement a system of like a life for a life exchange, uh, equivalent life force, um, exchange. So for example, if you had a level 15 fighter, you'd have to find a level 15 soul or level 15 other person, kill them and trap their soul and then use that soul to resurrect your your buddy um jeez equivalent <laughs> exchange metal. across the board dude that'd be that'd be a fucking rad twist in the campaign though <laughs> yeah it would. like have because... have your have the guy who died roll up a character that they're gonna meet to help them get this new soul that's a one-off character, and once they complete the quest, he goes away, and the other one comes back in. But that dude, that'd be sick. You'd you'd have poachers, right, of high-level adventurers. Would. Yeah, like, you'd have fixers, right? You know, people who orchestrate deals would also be like orchestrating deals for like, I happen to have a level fifteen person. <laughs> Give me the money, you know. You know, so you'd have to like there'd, there'd be a lot of trust on anybody that's setting up quests because they know exactly oh, yeah. where someone of high level is going. Oh shit! Yeah, you'd right. be getting ambushed all the time. <laughs> all that's, the time. That'd be fun as hell. Like, uh, you become prime. It'd be brutal, but it'd be fun. Well, there, there'd be some people that would invest themselves in being low-level adventurers who specialize in taking out high-level adventurers and selling their souls. Just yeah. that out there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it will. It, it, it invokes an entire economy around high-level adventures. They're not just gods that walk around doing whatever they want. Um, there are people out there who desperately want their power and yep. will do anything it takes to take it. Mm -hmm. Now, on top of that, you have um, mythical creatures. For example, uh, yeah. if you take, I don't know, the heart of an ancient dragon or something, that could be the one thing that could resurrect any living thing on the planet. Uh, you know, something, something like that. So, so you can put stipulations on re resurrection, like you need to get this, you need to mm -hmm. get this kind of resource. You need to go do something to resurrect this person. Yeah, yeah. You, Essentially, you, like it's not a freebie. It's a, like you can cast resurrection, like you can use the spell that the handbook says you can use, but your friend doesn't necessarily come back. Somebody comes well, back. <laughs> exactly. Unless, <laughs> unless you go get the special thing. 
Yeah, and yeah. it could be something that is intrinsically tied to the character that died, meaning the party has to mm-hmm. go explore that character's backstory, uh, which could be monstrously interesting. Um, and yeah, you know, because death death doesn't have to be a bad thing. Death can be a terribly gripping story moment, right? Exactly. Yeah. It can change your campaign if you kill the whole party. You have the TPK scenario. The total party kill. Then, the rest of the campaign is the party trying to escape hell or heaven or <laughs> yeah. the afterlife, right? Exactly. You know, you can you can do something with death. It doesn't have to be the end of the campaign. So we're talking about options. So so David's option is it's gritty. You need to expend extraordinary resources to bring somebody back. Yeah. Um. For me, I'm going to hit a little history, and then I'll delve into my take. Um, again, old school D&D, because everything descends from that, right? Um, gold was XP, uh, and you, you just acquire it in a variety of ways. So gold was common, but it specifically has to be a diamond worth that much gold. You can't just have the gold and then do the thing. You have to yeah. find a massive diamond. And so even just getting the diamond is, in, in some ways, an adventure. Think right, the Arkenstone from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like, just getting a diamond is, is, is not... People don't just have those. You have to go, like, do deals with lords, and, and sometimes they're not going to care about your money. They're going to ask you to do service. So it, getting the diamond itself is the quest, just like what Dave wanted, but it's just cooler than a diamond. right? Ultimately, you need a MacGuffin, the thing that checks a box, mm-hmm. to get the resurrection. What that is depends on what is fun and cool you know and it fits your campaign if it's like yeah we're gonna go kill a ancient dragon because that's the only thing that'll work mm-hmm. so what so what do you do about. with the dead character in the meantime that's the tough question <laughs> right because when you're like we want to turn it into a quest that's the cool thing mm-hmm. yep. but then you have a dude who's kind of stuck out and it's like do you bring in a temporary character that then you know is going mm-hmm. away i what if they like them more what what my answer may surprise you i will not let the person create a new character. What's going to happen is they are in the afterlife while the rest of the party is moving forward. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna split time sessions between the character who's dead and the characters who are still alive. And it'll be clunky, but based on how I've decided my world works like they're going to be existing at the same time and i think that would be immensely more interesting than having them create a character for three sessions yeah if if it's a short term enough thing yeah i can at least I, see them I, right there if if i'm going to design a macguffin for them to get to resurrect somebody i don't want it to be a super long term thing yeah right it needs to be punchy enough um to bring them back in Okay, that's fair. Because I was gonna say, like, if 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 we're planning like you know a, a ten plus arc thing, then I'm I'm gonna have some issues there, because that's that's a long time. But if it's three to four oh. sessions, that's totally fine. Yeah, it'd be it'd have to be something quick and uh, short and sweet, for sure. Um, yeah. Probably done. I I would almost say probably done like out of session, uh, but either or. I, I for I for one am comfortable with just sitting at a session watching other players do their thing, but I know a lot of people aren't aren't like that. 
so. Oh, one other note, just from historical D&D, where, like, getting a diamond, or sometimes just, like, it's not worth resurrecting the character. As you level up, when you hit roughly 8 to 10 level range, your character gets followers that are of a similar class to you and slightly lower level. And so then there's the option built into the older system where lethality is higher, where if people want to kind of give make them notable NPCs and they're people that are hanging around and they can then be taken over to fill that slot and just yeah. become a new character. <laughs> or if it's just like we're, we're playing it light and dirty, we're not doing a lot of story stuff and it's just we're, we're killing cracking skulls. And then I just, boom, I have a new character. I don't have to explain why they're here because they were here. That's that's a, a, honestly a fairly elegant solution in my book. Um, and, and then also, like, that follower wants to get their master back. If you want to do the whole mini arc to get the, the, the thing that gets them back and does the How am I ever going to learn the sword <laughs> if he's dead? Exactly, right? That, that's, that's a fun little character to bring in. And then you have a greater enjoyment of that that's NPC when, you get, when they, when they yeah, that'd just be, fall back. That'd be hilarious. The, right? the party who has been, like, fucking epic level <laughs> monster slaying. Ha the squire joins them who's yeah. like t like five levels lower than them and is like we need to get my master back so i can learn the ways of the sword and they're like jesus uh, i hate this guy so much gross. Like, that's, that's fun it'd be that it'd be very fun, fun yeah right? it'd be fun it's so there's, there's, way, there's a it'd lot be, of It'd be fun for the character who is dead to play the character who worships yes. it, their dead character. Yes, yeah. Be like, he's so great the way that he swishes his sword around and the way that he is so commanding in every situation and the rest oh, of the party man. is like... <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's so fun, right? Like, there's so many ways... We either resurrect that. him um, now for me with... or we kill his follower. <laughs> we... <laughs> We have to resurrect him just to get away to get away from this plebeian. <laughs> but what happens when the follower has a follower who's somehow worse? It goes all the way down. Yeah, just be yeah. Right this yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, basically, for me, it, it, the the way to handle that and the resurrection just is dependent on what is appropriate for the campaign. I've said that a lot, but th th that's the truth. I'm going to look at it and figure out what um, feels right. You know, and sometimes it's going to be you. You go, you get a diamond, and this guy has uh, another way they do resurrection old school. You lose a point of constitution. When you have none left, you can't be resurrected. Ooh, so there's gonna be yeah. there's only so many times you can reasonably be resurrected because you lose yeah constitution. yeah that that that's simple. I I, I think a, I think a good way to deal with it is just to put like a cap on character yeah. like resurrection. Just say they can only be resurrected once or twice, three times max. Yeah. And then, um, and then, like, if you want to be grittier about it, add a consequence at each resurrection. Yeah, that's yep. that's the way I would take. So I personally wouldn't cap resurrections uh, because that's that feels to me like just an arbitrary rule that's not really enforced mm -hmm. in the in the actual world for any reason. Like, I guess maybe your soul wears out and you well, get tired. There's, like, like I just said, if your constitution lowers by one each time, your yeah, body just can't, your body and soul just can't handle it. That's that's a. That's okay, uh, I, I really miss um, direct attacks against the players' stats, because I personally derive a lot of my story from my character's stats. Uh, Trevor, you might know my character has. A, no, I, I'm I, the same I have way. A trash yeah. Wisdom 
hence why my character's story is kind of the way it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Can't so that stuff that attacks um, direct stuff that attacks stats directly is awesome in my opinion because it brings back the use of lesser and greater restoration. I mean, honestly, I haven't used that spell in probably the better part of a decade because fifth edition just kind of doesn't put emphasis on stat reduction, stat penalties, uh, stuff like that. And I'm just like, uh-huh. well, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, so every time you're resurrected, you lose a certain it amount of stat. It doesn't even have to be constitution. In... Just a stat. Yeah. For, you can just roll a for six example, and lose one. my bard, if, if, if she died, um, what would happen if her charisma took a hit? You know, it's... I, I so what I what I would probably do for you, David, is I would say you what Mason said. You either need to roll a d six, and you will lose one point in whatever stat, or you I would make you choose a stat <laughs> to lose. Yeah, yeah, making because I I, so I trust you, and I know that you would you're you're a glutton for punishment. <laughs> And you would choose the shittiest stat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would. Um, I, and I would take it because I see that as a story-making opportunity, and that's what I love. So. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that stuff can be super interesting. Um, so, so what do you guys think about, like, injuries and, like, ongoing effects? Like, how, how can you wrap those in? So We've talked about death quite a bit and how to do that, but, like, the other problem we talked about is is people hitting zero hit points and just getting healed back up a bunch yeah, of times. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, before my opinion, and I'll also my opinion later because I haven't fully formulated it, but one thing to consider when deciding to do, there's a consequence for hitting zero and coming back up. Right? Even just the one where I'm like, oh, you know, you get a short rest the next time you get a long rest, like I said earlier. Anytime you implement that consequence, you need to recognize it's going to disproportionately affect some members of the party. And you need to figure out if that's okay as a group, as a GM, as a player. It's typically um, going to be the melee members of the party. Your, your melee members, yeah. your, 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 your squishy melees, and your tanks are going to do it more like my character, Pit. Um, out of any of the times people have hit zero in the campaign, there was one time it was not him. It was session one. With me and Danny, Theo hit zero. After that, in fairness, that is because you're an excellent <laughs> yeah. tank. Because I'm an excellent tank, I would be disproportionately oh, impacted by that. Whether or not we're okay with that, that's totally fine. That's Theo something to decide. Twice. That's right. That's right. That's right. But you know that that's something to consider. If someone's playing a tank very aggressively. That is going to have an impact on their ability to do that if you're doing very serious long-term punishments for that or consequences mm-hmm. for that. Just something to bear in mind. Absolutely still feel free to do it. It's a thing that will happen, though. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I would probably do in the situation you're laying out is I would tie it to either a constitution or a st- mm-hmm. strength roll. Because right. the tanks are better at resisting. Yeah, the res- to, to balance it out a little bit. Yeah. That kind of naturally evens it out, so everyone would be so. So if I'm gonna have an injury table, um, mm-hmm. I've heard of a lot of campaigns that have an injury table, 
So you hit zero hit points. You roll on the injury table. If you roll below a 10, you get an injury. If you roll above a 10, you don't get an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would tie that to a strength or constitution roll. If you have a party with a really strong tank who goes down way more than anybody else, right? Because I mean, that'll even it out. Because if that's the case where the tank is taking most of the damage, the barbarian's running around mopping up all the damage, then when another character goes down, it'll be it'll be a big deal because they're gonna have to make a strength <laughs> roll when the warlock has to make a strength <laughs> roll. Yeah. No, like, it, it incentivizes people who are squishy to not only just, like, not be around damage, but to genuinely avoid it, right? It's not like, oh, I can take a hit. It's like, if I get crit, I have an eight strength. I have a minus one on that, as opposed to, like, oh, ten and above, I'm good. I have to get an eleven or above, because I have a minus one. Where the tank is like, I have a plus five on strength. I can get a five and, st- I can get a six or above and still be fine. Yeah. You know? Because you just, you just do a modifier on the table. It's like a you know, ten and below. Just bad. You just do, you just, just add to throw the stat. this out there before we move on. Uh, don't make these effects um, un un un. I guess unapproachable in game terms. Yeah. So, say you have a tank that's died a few times. Um, combat's been extra brutal, and due to these rules, we're theorizing about um they've taken some mm-hmm. pretty brutal damage. yeah so so to clarify a little bit these could be rules you could either add to every time somebody gets <laughs> resurrected or every time somebody goes down if you want to be more yeah. gritty and i just want to remind everyone that there are spells that are specifically built to combat this type of uh entropy um so Lesser and greater restoration, I've already mentioned, and you have wish spells, and you have other custom in-game spells you can make to combat to bolster the soul of the fighter or, or whatever. Uh, just mm-hmm. make it, yeah. integrate it into your world, make it some cool lore. Um, your fighter's gone down a few times, yeah. he needs to go to the local temple and, and, and meditate or something to get to, to bolster his soul yeah. back up. You know, don't make them absolutely punishing no remorse because that's just not fun for your players. Yeah, there there are lots of injury <laughs> tables online. Like we've been very vague with like what specific the punishment should be. Um, there's lots of injury tables online. There's lots of different things. Basically, you don't want it to be so crippling that they couldn't keep playing the game. Like, yeah, like there's somewhere if, like... if they broke a leg, you wouldn't want to disable them to like 10 feet of movement around i mean yeah then they don't get to participate because then they then they don't get to do anything right so so you want to you want to balance it you want it to be punishing right if if you're going for that flavor but you don't want it to be so punishing that it's not fun at all you right as a rule i think you never want to infringe uh player ability to engage in your game for more than honestly not even not not even a session unless it's really serious uh you always want to have other ways of creative ways of the player fixing the problem at hand 
<clears throat> it's it's uh yeah it's not fun playing a crippled and, character <laughs> and and i no, normally i'd be the one saying everything they just said but also feel free to experiment like my i experiment a lot with just stuff i do with jamming and that's because i have again over the past 10 years on this journey of trying to figure out how i want to handle all this stuff i realized that it's really easy to say hey guys i goofed Absolutely. I went too far with whatever this thing was. We're just going to back it off. Or you, you, you can always just say, hey, we're going to just undo that. that. That wasn't right. That wasn't the way, right way for me to do that. It's not fun. It's not the way I wanted it to be. I don't like the way it feels. Um, additionally, just like Dave was saying with injuries, leave a way to make it undone. Right? The, the resurrection spells are there because mm. there, you know, there should be a mechanical way to undo it when something is a little too far one way or another yeah um, yeah somebody makes an un- can do that somebody makes an unlucky roll they go down in a combat and they roll on the injury table to get a broken leg mm-hmm. but they're they're the character in combat that runs around and is agile yeah like you anyone know? else it's fine but for them it's like they can't do their thing anymore yeah you know? so they need a way to undo that they need a spell that can undo that they need a character in the narrative that could undo that you know, so so when that stuff happens, as as a GM running the game, you need to be prepared to have a possible solution. The characters, the players will come up with solutions. If their solution is fine, then just say, yeah, that'll work. Mm-hmm. Here's the price you will have to pay to do that. You'll have to do a quest. You'll have to pay this much money. You'll have to do X, Y, Z, right? Yep, that's... This is the area when I was saying, like, we experience tabletop role-playing narratives differently than we consume them in other media. Yeah. This is where it changes, because what would normally be, like, a really sweet moment where, like, <clears throat> that agile character breaks a leg, and we get, you know, three, four episodes, three, four chapters, and, like, coming to terms with that internally, we don't get to explore the internal aspect. That'd be, of that'd be way more interesting in a novel or exactly. in an anime but it's not fun <laughs> if you're sitting out three sessions yes, in the D&D yes. campaign. Here we have an actual player whose experience is hurt, actually hurt, by this consequence. So we need to give them an out. Otherwise, they don't have fun because it ultimately is a game. Mm-hmm. We have the game side, we have the story side, but if people aren't oh. having fun, most of the time, there can be times where things suck and are hard, and that builds up a good narrative. But as a team... As opposed to I, I also want to add, know? before we move on, that it, it's not just a game. It's it's your entire group of people dedicating X amount of time on this specific day yes. to enjoy, to participate in this communal story. And that's very difficult to do, as we've talked about it before. I'm sure all of you have experienced it at some point. Getting people together for a game is notoriously difficult. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, getting people together to play make-believe <laughs> in this adult world where everybody has a job and people are trying to get shit done, you know, it's it can be hard. Um, and if you, if you get through all those hurdles and then somebody shows up and you're like, sorry, bro, your character's dead, you're sitting out this session. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, then like that feels bad. Feels it feels bad. bad. 
So you have to you have to have something prepared. They either have to be able to run another character. They need to be in the afterlife, running simultaneously with the other characters. They need to be struggling to come back to life yeah. somehow. Yeah. You know, there needs to be something there for but them that to struggle. Do. Can they need to be able to yeah, play the game? That that struggle can be so amazing. It can be so amazing. Yeah. I some of the best sessions I've run have been. The party frantically trying to get X party member yeah. back. With X party member running some random person that they don't <laughs> care about. Yeah. And they're just like, I literally just made a ranger so that I could get my fighter back. <laughs> I, as, as we're talking about this, it's reminding me a little bit of kind of the engagement that we talked about. As, as we've been talking more and more about engagement and roleplay work. Mm-hmm. There, there's going to be this ebb and flow. And and part of that is um, in the nature of, like, we are coming together as a group to play this game. That is the bare minimum, you know, whether, whether we're making dick jokes, cracking skulls, solving crimes, whatever, right? As we get to go deeper, we can explore more and more nuanced things, do yeah. more and more nuanced things. Mm-hmm. But someone not being able to play the game, it immediately resets their engagement to the very most yeah. surface layer. Yeah. Because they can't play the game. And so then they can't in- interact with the, the group space. I, one thing I want to tag on to that. There, there's a huge misconception surrounding death in D&D. And that misconception is that death is an end. That's, that is the worst misconception ever, in my opinion. Death... If you look at any mythology in real world, death is the very beginning of a new journey. And I want all the DMs out there to just kind of think about that for a second because you can do so much with it. You can enhance your world so much with a character death. And then you bring them back and you're all the richer for it. Mm-hmm. I, what I think about a lot is, let's say the paladin dies, and then they go to heaven, and they get to hang out with their god, and then the party <laughs> brings the paladin yeah. back. Um, How would the paladin feel about that? Probably not great. <laughs> I mean, depending... Depending on the importance of the mission going on at the time. But if you're level 5 and you guys are just like bashing goblins. And then the party is like, well, we brought you back. And the paladin's like, I was in Elysium. I was with my people. Yeah, um, that actually reminds me of my first ever character death as a player. Um, I was, in fact, a paladin. It was... uh, Dude, I'm like Thakor. Yeah, I have a I have a deep place in my heart for dude, paladins. Dude, and I have an undying hatred for paladins. <laughs> no, you would love this paladin. He was great. He, I I rolled my stats in order. He had like a sixteen wisdom and an eight charisma. Yes. And and, and literally, I picked paladin because I forgot to the charisma, not, not wisdom. And I rolled with it. And and he was great. He 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 died once because our warlock cast uh, okay. thunder wave. And didn't realize that thunder damage doesn't get reduced when yeah, you cover your ears. Because um, it still hurts. But 
um the way the gym handled he's like he saw that like i didn't really want to die and, and like it was a genuine accident of the other player because he, he didn't realize the effect of his spell and so he's just like you uh as, as you're unconscious and dead you, you you get visited by this visage um who who's not your god but someone unrelated um you don't detect evil you don't detect good and they offer you a deal where in the future they'll ask for a favor and they'll send you back to continue your journey because they see that you are important. My boss. The adventure doesn't have to happen right away. Exactly. Right? The quest to save this person's life doesn't have to happen right away. It can happen later. Oh, that's good. And it fits well, it's, better. You see potential in your right? character. You, you plant a seed, mm-hmm. you let them almost forget about it, and then boom, you do all the whole thing. <laughs> you know, like. There's so many ways to handle death that make it significantly more interesting than go roll a new character. And, and go rolling a new character can also oh, yeah. be interesting. There, you have infinite ways to handle this that will make sure everyone comes mm-hmm. out feeling good about the death. Yeah. Even if I, they didn't actually die. <laughs> the, the other thing I, I have offered before when I've had somebody die in a campaign, because I've had, I've had characters die that I knew the player didn't like that character that much. Yeah, and I've just said, "Hey, if you, if you want this character to ignore resurrection, they will, and you can just roll a new character." Yeah. So then the party tries to resurrect them, and basically their ghost comes back in, played by the character <laughs> who played that character, and is like, "Actually, yeah, I'm good, fam." <laughs> yeah. That, that's and the, and then the whole reason. party is like, "What?" <laughs> And then in the next session, they meet the new character, mm-hmm. and and that can be just as fun because it's it's uh, because then it's in the player's hands, right? Yes. It feels it feels shitty as a player to just have all of the power taken yes, away from absolutely. you, right? Um, if there's absolutely no way that you can get your character back, then that feels bad. There should be a way, and it should be as gritty as the campaign that you've decided to run is. Yes. Because if your campaign is super gritty, then the other characters are literally going to have to go into hell to save your soul and scrape it back across the rocks of hell and force it back into your body to bring you back. But if if your campaign is sunshine and butterflies then they're gonna be like hey um excuse me um i was wondering if you'd like to come back to your body i cast this level five spell and you know it's here whenever you're ready (laughs) excuse me god can can timmy come play (laughs) yes (laughs) yes also (laughs) like that that's funny as heck uh the the little wrinkle here because that's what i do um it is my personal opinion that the players should be allowed to do something extra to uh, force a soul back into a body. Now, this shouldn't be applied to PCs, but asshole NPCs that they just want to wake up and kill again? I mean, there should be a method to, to allow that. Just my personal opinion. <laughs> oh, 
I would I would love if a party tried to resurrect a really shitty NPC and try to kill him again. That'd be so funny. Like, especially in your world, right, where we fight some <laughs> demon that has their soul, and they're like, oh, thank you, I was in such torment, and you fought that thing to save me, and you're like, yeah, stab <laughs> <laughs> And then, as the light fades from their eyes, you're like, totally worth it. I'm bringing you back, <laughs> bitch. Worth it. Ready for round three? <laughs>